Wasn't that a great song? Don't you just love it? And Clarence, you did a great job. (laughs) It's a great song. We love it. We just clapped for it. But how in the heck do we do it? Surrender all? Our world says, save for retirement. The message around us says, protect yourself. Be careful. Especially when it comes to love, guard your heart. You might just get hurt. Be be, be careful when, when reaching out, they may just use you. Lock your door, set your alarm. And yet, the song says, surrender. How do we do that? That's exactly what Jesus is trying to teach in today's gospel. It's that familiar story of a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho who gets attacked on the way to his destination and is left for dead. He's laying there left for dead when a good church person, a good church official, sees this person laying there and goes to the other side and walks on. And then another church official comes along and sees that person laying there and goes to the other side and walks on. And then someone who probably never even goes to church, someone who is despised by everybody, the person at the lowest part of the totem pole walks along and sees the person laying there and does everything they can to help. Surrender. What does that really mean? This story of the Good Samaritan has been told so many times that it's become a very tame story. We've turned it into a morality tale. You know, what good people do, they, they help each other. This story's been used to guilt trip us. But I think when Jesus told this story, he was trying to take us deeper and trying to take us further. A Sunday school teacher was telling this story to her Sunday school class and she knew that kids had been exposed to horror movies and all that kind of stuff and so she was really trying to get the kids into the story so she went into graphic detail describing how this guy was laying along the side of the road and how he was bleeding and what a messy scene it was and as she told the story went into more and more detail the kids eyes got bigger and bigger and bigger And then finally she said, what would you do if you saw someone half dead laying beside the side of the road? And she expected the kids to say something like at least they would call 911 or they would help. But the kids were just silent. And finally one little girl said, I think I'd just throw up. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think makes this story very real. Because when you look deeper... There is a lot of stuff around us that if we were really to admit it, it makes us want to throw up. <laughs> At least look away. I mean, what's happened to our community and what's happened to our world? We're afraid of getting messy. We're afraid of getting real. We're afraid of feeling too much. 
Jesus is trying to call us out of our protective little shells. Jesus is trying to call us out of our bubbles. In a world where we're afraid to even make eye contact, Jesus is saying, make heart contact. Open up, reach out, surrender all. Especially when it comes to surrendering, surrender your fear. Surrender your barriers. Surrender all that stuff that's making you hold back in life. Surrender. Get real. Reach out. Move beyond eye contact to heart contact. I wonder if Jesus was telling this story to us today. I wonder how he would tell it. Most of us have not been to Jericho or Jerusalem, and we're not real familiar with that culture. I think if Jesus were to tell that story today, he would tell it something like this. A young gay man was just coming out. So he spent his first night at JR's. <laughs> and he had a great time. And yes, he had a few too many to drink. He didn't know that many people in the gay community, so he was walking back to his car. And because the Montrose is so popular, he parked a long way off. Of course, he was dressed in his Calvin Klein shirt, had his Prada wallet, <laughs> his Gucci shoes, and he attracted some attention, but from the wrong people. Because on the way to his car on that side street in the Montrose, he was attacked by a group of gay bashers who ripped off his shirt, beat him, stole his money, kicked him again and again, saying, die, faggot, die, and then left him there to die, half dead. All he wanted to do was be who he was. All he wanted to do was have a good night out. All he wanted was to be accepted, but he was left there along the road in the Montrose half dead. About that time along comes a community leader, someone who had organized gay pride parades, someone who had been there for every cause, someone who had stood up and said, we're here, we're queer, get used to it. But when they saw this young man laying there half dead, they got afraid too. So they moved on. Just happened to be a Sunday night, and some folks from Resurrection were walking down the same street. Looked over, and they saw this young man laying there. One of them said, I wonder what happened to him. I don't know, but it, it looks bad. I'm sure, there's, I'm sure that whoever did that is still around. We've we, we got to get out of here. We'll, we'll, we'll go somewhere. We'll, we'll call 911, but, but we need to get out of here. So they moved on too. Gay community leader moved on. Folks from Resurrection who had worshipped that morning and sung, I surrender all, they moved on. In that same neighborhood, a right-wing religious organization was also holding a meeting. A meeting about how to defend marriage. 
Many of the folks at that meeting had traveled in from the suburbs. <laughs> Weren't quite sure what the Montrose was, was like, but they'd gotten a picture that evening. <laughs> Weren't real comfortable there. And again, one of those who had attended that meeting was a mother of four young children, right-wing fundamentalists. She too had trouble finding a parking place, but she had parked right near where that body was. She leaves her meeting, is heading for her car when she sees this young man. Her first instinct is to grab her cell phone, call for help, get in her car, drive away, not even look. But something in her said, you know, he is somebody's child. I don't care if he's gay or not. <laughs> but he needs someone to love him. And so this right-wing fundamentalist mother from the suburbs reaches down, feels that pulse, and then begins to minister to him right there on the street until help can come. She takes his hand and says, somebody loves you. I love you. I think that's how Jesus would tell the story. Jesus would say that one who you may think is your enemy is the very person you may need to survive. We all get caught up in the walls that divide us. Right wing, left wing, fundamentalist, progressive. It's so easy for us to get so locked into our viewpoints that we can't even see each other. Jesus is saying here that the person who you expect to never help you is the person who may be the very key to your survival. Be careful who you protest. Be careful who you set up as the opposition. Jesus is saying, come to me and surrender. If Jesus told that story, the walls would come down between Montrose and Kingwood. The walls would come down. Hearts would open. What's powerful about this story is that it calls us to extravagant love, love that goes beyond. It calls us to risky love. When the story is told, they often say that the religious people were just too busy. I think the truth is they were afraid. It's the fear that kept them from helping each other. And I think that's the truth about us as well. I think we really do care. But a lot of times, we're afraid. We're afraid that if we try to reach out, we're going to end up getting hurt. Jesus is saying... You are designed to care beyond yourself. And it's in caring that you're often saved. Two hikers were enjoying the wilderness. They had a base camp, and every day they would go and they would find these beautiful vistas. And one day as they were hiking, they, they got 
too far away from their camp and about that time this bad weather started setting in and it was moving towards evening. And they said to themselves, if we don't get back to the base camp quick, it's going to turn into freezing weather and we're going to have a hard time getting back to our camp and in fact we, we, we could freeze to death out here. So they were putting all their energy into getting home. As they were moving along, they heard these cries and as they investigated, they saw that the cries were coming from the bottom of a ravine about 20 feet down. They looked down and they saw that another hiker had fallen off the trail and was injured. And they were trying to figure out how long it would take for them to get down there and get him up and then get him to the camp. And as they calculated their risk, it occurred to them that there was no way they were going to make it. That if they tried to save that person, it was going to get colder, it was going to turn to nightfall, and potentially all three of them would die. One of them said, you know, I've got, to get, I've got to get home. I've got a family to take care of. So he started back to the base camp. The other hiker decided he was going to do whatever it took to help the person down in the ravine. So he went through that long struggle. He got down there and he, he lifted that wounded hiker kind of on his shoulders and they, they struggled their way back up to the trail. So it's a time-consuming process. They started heading back and sure enough, they had calculated their risk correctly. It was getting dark and it was getting cold. They just got a little bit closer together in the struggle. They continued to work their way back to the base camp. They were almost there when they stumbled across something. And when they looked down, they saw that it was the body of the hiker who had thought the risk was too great and had headed back on his own. How did the other two survive? Their body heat when they struggled together and stayed connected despite the risk, they made it home. I think that's our call. That even when the risk seems beyond calculation, we are called together each other up into our arms and struggle along together. In our story today, the wounded person along the road is put into a hotel. I think we're called to do better than that. I think we are called to take those who are struggling and say, come with me to my home, my home called resurrection. It's not a perfect place. Lots of different viewpoints floating around that place. <laughs> Lots of different ideas. Lots of different people. But it's a real place. A real place where people link arms in the struggle. That's our call. To bring people home. To a safe and saving place of healing. Where the walls come down. And we move beyond eye contact. To heart contact. And we surrender our fears. Knowing that when we surrender... We then heal, and we then live. Amen. Amen.